Hi everyone and welcome to the Be You Mum podcast. I'm Annie, mum, wife, nutritional therapist, music lover and believer that animal print will never go out of fashion. I believe that we are at our most happiest and healthiest when all parts of ourselves are aligned and singing in harmony, the mind, body, heart and spirit. For me, like most, motherhood has been life-changing. It has opened up so many opportunities to learn more about myself and grow and become a better version of me and generally better human being. So this is what this podcast is all about. Conversations with awesome people who will inspire, inform and empower you to be more you at your brightest and best. Just like health and happiness, I believe there is no one-size-fits-all approach to motherhood. Learning to better understand, love and be yourself is one of the greatest gifts we can give our children. So I hope you will join me on this podcast journey of self-discovery, self-growth and self-love because when we connect with ourselves and step into our personal power, our mummy magic can truly shine. So please keep listening and remember, always be more you. Hi everyone and welcome to my first ever podcast episode. Today I'm talking to Joe Gamble. Joe is a mum and has a 15-year-old daughter. She is a nutritional therapist and certified functional medicine practitioner. Joe has an integral role at the College of Naturopathic Medicine, where she is a course leader and lecturer. I first met Joe when I was a student at CNM in Birmingham, and her enthusiasm for the work she does was truly contagious. Joe works with people who suffer with all sorts of complex health issues and has a specialist interest in cancer, specifically during childhood. She has set up two charities and has a fellowship in integrative cancer care with the ICT. Joe is hugely dedicated to helping others and believes and practices a no stone unturned approach. Today I'll be talking to Joe about the work she does as a nutritional therapist and functional medicine practitioner. She will be sharing her inspiring motherhood journey with her daughter and how this has led her to be the amazing practitioner she is today. We discuss some common challenges that mums face with parenting in the 21st century environment and how these stresses can affect our physical and mental health. Jo will also be sharing some achievable steps and interventions we can introduce in our own lives to help restore some balance and achieve better health. Joe truly is a wealth of knowledge. I feel really fortunate to be able to pick her brains and share her experience and wisdom with you. So let's get into my first podcast episode. So hi Joe, thank you for joining us today. There's so many things I could talk to you about, but something you help me with and something I see a lot in my mum clients or parent clients is the impact of parenting stresses on our all-round health, our emotional and physical well-being, and the need to prioritize self-care um, as individuals and in order to show up as happier, healthier parents. So what would be great, and you are my first guest and a perfect person to explain what nutritional therapy and functional medicine is, if you could just tell us, Joe, a little bit about what you do. 
Okay, well, thank you, Annie, for inviting me to be your first guest. What an honor that is. So nutritional therapy, I would say the way to frame it most succinctly is really thinking about using food as medicine, using food as the tools to help prevent disease, to work with the body when it's out of balance, to really try and put the body back into balance. Functional medicine is the next layer down from that, where we really look at a systems-based approach to why we get sick, whatever that is, why has our body gone out of balance? And then really trying to rebalance that imbalance. So rather than just be a pill for an ill philosophy, it's about understanding why we got sick in the first instance. And with disease now being at epidemic levels of autoimmunity and obesity and diabetes and cancers and cardiovascular diseases, we've really got to think about using functional medicine and nutritional therapy as a preventative tool, because I don't know about you and I don't know about your listeners, but actually those diseases are pretty scary. And if we don't be proactive, we are going to have to be reactive. Yep. Absolutely. And um, to become a functional medicine practitioner, I remember you telling us when we were at college, it's quite a rigorous procedure, isn't it, that you had to go through and a lot of studying. Can you just uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I was actually the first UK practitioner. And back then I had to do all of my training over in America. So I did do quite a lot of long haul international flights back and forth to America to be able to study functional medicine with the leading worldwide experts. Um, and that did it. It took me best part of two years. It took me lots of international flying backwards and forwards. And of course, proving myself with case study assignments and exams. But what it's done, Annie, is given me the tools to really take my complex clients on a journey and to really help to educate them and to empower them to make a difference with their health. And I think they're tools that, you know, sadly, many medical doctors aren't necessarily equipped with, but that I feel we, as a, as a, population group we are able to help our clients to understand how they can make a difference rather than just kind of saying oh you've got x so go and take y it's like no 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 why did my body go out of balance and how can we rebalance it and i think that yes it was a a, a while in its training but oh my goodness such a powerful tool to really really work with my clients and really give them the skills to make a difference. Amazing. And what led you into this? If you could tell us a little bit about your background and how your, how you got to become, sorry, how you became a functional medicine practitioner and nutritional therapist. Okay. So it is a very personal journey as many people that enter this profession. When my daughter at 19 months old was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, um, she became poorly very, very quickly. And, and, and we went through a little phase of, could it be, could it be a cancer? Could it not? We didn't quite know what it was. They were doing lots of testing on her. And then they said, no, it wasn't cancer. And my first response was, thank goodness for that, because, you know, 
people could die of cancer and they'd have to go on these horrible drugs. And then little did I know that the treatment for juvenile arthritis was to actually put her on a chemotherapy regimen. So when she was just short of three years old, she started to have her immune system suppressed. Well, those of you that have young children, you know how many germs fly around with children of that age group so she got every type of infection known to man and she got it she got it good and was regularly hospitalized for infections and it was during one of those hospitalizations having already asked her doctor like would food make a difference what can I do what can I do because having a child that isn't well disempowers the parent and that was the thing that I found the most difficult like all of a sudden somebody's taken my daughter away not literally I was there in the hospital with her but they've taken the power of my choice away from her and I needed being a bit of a control freak I needed to regain some of that power so I was like what can I do with food and, and you can guess what their response was food doesn't make a difference there's nothing that you can do we will give her medications and we will be in the driving seat. And when she just got sicker and sicker from the side effects from the meds, I was like, no, 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 no. Your meds are going to kill her because she, I mean, she, she had bilateral pneumonia. You know, she was quite a poorly little girl. And it was at that point I was like, I don't believe what the doctors have said to me. I believe that I can make a difference. So I went out and found a naturopath and he, he, he was like, right, okay, you've got you've to radically change her diet and, and you've got to start juicing and she's got to be drinking 100 mils of fresh juice a day and she's got to take these 37 supplements. And I was like, oh my goodness. He didn't give me any support whatsoever as to how to do it. Well, I mean, Annie, you've got a child. You know, children don't perform quite how you always <laughs> you know you'd like them to perform so this little girl didn't want to eat this green powder or drink this green juice and I really had to and that was probably the hardest part of the journey I had to find a way because he'd said I have to do it and I trusted him and I thought well if I don't do it almost like I was going to fail her so I found ways of of basically giving up my job and every minute of every day was about about creating wellness in her. Well, I mean, her journey, I would, I would love to say, I'd love to say she doesn't have arthritis anymore. She does. But we have made such a difference to her journey with the support of nutrition and functional medicine to the point that she's just about to take her GCSE. She's taking more GCSEs than anybody else in her school. She's already planning her university placement. She lives life to the full. She only gave up dancing last year to study, not because the disease made her. And I just think, well, I couldn't clone her. I don't know where she'd be today without nutrition. I know where I would be today without me being able to support her. Mm. So even if I say selfishly, it helped me give me a purpose and to regain my power as a mum that I was making a difference. But I genuinely believe with every ounce of my body that, that she is where she is today because of the power of nutrition. I think that's amazing. And what an incredible story but also the courage being a mum and sometimes questioning some of the conventional things that we are told and it feels like you're going against the mainstream and you're being a bad mum and you're not following suit but sometimes digging a little bit deeper and researching it and trusting your gut isn't it can make such a difference and I think that's the big one because when your gut says this isn't right you've got to go with it 
Now, nobody gives you an instruction manual when you bring a child into the world. And I think this is something you found, isn't it? Personally, you're like, where's the book? Because I read books. What I do really well is I read a book and I do what the book tells me to do. And nobody gives you an instruction manual on your child and says, this is what you have to do. This is the best thing for your child. So you can read a baby book of what a baby should be doing. You know, they should be sleeping for six hours by now but my baby isn't. They should be eating lumpy food by now, but my baby doesn't. Mm. And what we've got to do is we've got to work to understand our own children. And also we need to say, when doesn't this feel right? And when do I need to reach out for other people to be able to help me? Because also when you're exhausted, like when you've got a newborn baby, when you've got a young child and you're exhausted, what you're trying to do is think through a scenario clearly, be your own doctor, manager, facilitator, financial advisor, and you can't do it all on your own. Yeah. And I think that that kind of goes on to this belief that actually people are born to believe that they're super moms nowadays. Mm. And we live in a yeah. super stressful environment where it's really cool to be super stressful. Yeah. So we're a super mom and we're super stressed. And because of that, we can wear a badge of honor that like allows us to join that gang. Yeah. And actually it's not a healthy gang to be in, is it? It's not a great position to say, yeah, right, I, I'm, I'm going to run myself into the ground. And that's where I think bringing other people in to support us on that journey is so important. I totally agree. And I love the phrase, it takes a village to raise a mother, you know, just as much as a child, because it's so true, you need support. And I think we struggle to ask for support because we feel like we should be able to manage. And I know when I stopped working for a bit that I felt embarrassed to talk about that because I felt like I should be able to do the work, the life, the mothering. And just going back to what you say about there not being a manual or a or a book I remember also reactively researching stuff so as stuff came up with Bonnie I was trying to read scientific papers on the immune system and it was just a foreign language or even just reading a book and finding that time um, so yeah absolutely like um, there's so much to take on board and then can I just ask during that time obviously that is what inspired you to then go and train to be a nutritional therapist and functional medicine practitioner how was your self-care for you? Because I can only imagine how stressful and traumatic at times that journey was with your daughter. Yeah, and you're right. Self-care is something that I would say came at a later date. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that wasn't something. I mean, I spent probably four years with a, you, you know, you know, when you were preparing for Bonnie and you packed your hospital bag and you put it by the door because you never knew when you'd wake up and you might be in labor. Yeah. I lived for four years like that, Annie, where the bag by the door, because I never knew when she'd spike a temperature and need to be admitted into hospital. And, and, you know, that's not a great position as a parent or as, as a human to be in that state of kind of acute well acute stress but a chronic stress you know it was acute it was there all the time that high level of you know adaption to a stressful environment and and do you know what I actually think now I can reflect and be honest and say I went into survival mode mm. I went into a mode where I don't know if I was an animal I was protecting my cub 
And that was the only thing. And I was going to fight off anybody that was going to come by her and try to attack her. But actually it's taken a lot of years post. I mean, I'm 14 years into that journey now, 14, nearly 15 years into that journey from diagnosis. And, and I would say after the first sort of five years of being in survival, I went, okay, I'm broken or I'm breaking. And if I don't start self-care, I am never going to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really interesting comment. Now being a parent of an older child to show the world that actually we need to Mm self-care. And I, I see myself as the role model to my daughter who is in the midst of kind of stress of GCSE exams. And I'm her role model that I have to show her that if I don't self-care, how can I expect her to self-care? And that's what it's all about. Sometimes we don't always get it right at the right time. Mm. But now I would say, you know, I I really fix self-care in my diary, just as important as I would put an appointment for the doctors, Obviously, my work as a nutritional therapist, functional medicine practitioner, all of that is just as importantly fixed in my diary as my self-care. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think um, modeling behavior, modeling self-care, you know, prioritizing ourselves will just enable us to be around for longer and have more energy and vitality and have fun with our kids. That's totally yeah. how, how I see it. So it's, it's not selfish whatsoever and I know your situation is not an everyday one that was you know very extreme um but it's it's just good to hear your thoughts on it and then the later impact as well because that's something that I think about a lot um and I know as um sleep I think it's been calculated that women lose 700 hours sleep in the first year of having a baby and it's just kind of written off with mums, isn't it? You go, I've been on sleep seminars I've been to as in like training and stuff. We talk about shift workers and how terrible it is and, and, you know, and all these things. I think, well, mum's kind of shift working as well. Why don't we talk (laughs) about that? You know, people pussyfoot around it because it's almost like that's your destiny. And so as we get into talking about sort of common stresses, what are your thoughts on that and sleep deprivation and how we can manage it on top of all the other demands that, that comes in with parenting? Well, I mean, how often have you heard the, the sentence sleeping is for wimps or I don't need that much sleep? The truth is there is nothing wimpy about honoring our body's essential need for sleep and rejuvenation. And that only happens when we really give us that ultimate eight hours sleep a night for us adults. Obviously children, it's a lot more. So I see sleep as one of the most important parts of a wellness plan. You know, you could get the most amazing diet. You could be taking 57 supplements a day. And if you're not getting good quality sleep, that's almost falling on deaf ears to be effective. So to me, what I always say to my clients, this is what I do myself, right? What time? And and I'm a pretty standard, like I wake up certainly Monday to Friday, but even at weekends, I wake up at the same sort of time every day, 5.45. So then what I do is always say to my clients, count back eight hours and then count back 45 minutes. And that's the time that you should be in bed because then you've got 45 minutes to wind down your brain, read your book, do whatever, like is part of your evening routine so that you can then get eight hours of sleep. 
-hmm. Well, actually, when you do that, Annie, that means that you've got to go to bed quite early to be able to honor that eight hours. And when you say to people, like, what do you do in the evenings? Oh, well, I'm watching TV until like 1 a.m. Well, they're really not getting optimal amount of sleep. It was researched to say when is the creme de la creme of sleep and the, the perfect time for the body to sleep is between 8 p.m and 4 a.m now i'm nowhere near there but how how many people really do get to bed early enough to be having that good quality eight hour sleep in line with the circadian rhythm of the moonlight hours mm -hmm. so you kind of go well if you go to bed at 1 a.m and sleep even if you get eight hours and sleep till 9 a.m that's not part of our natural circadian rhythm. So it really is saying sleep is an essential. So work it out, work out what time you need to be going to bed. And then you need to be reminding yourself. And I have a message on my phone that comes up to say, prepare for bed. And then there's no chance of you missing that. Obviously you can override it, but there's no chance of you missing it. And at that point, the phone goes off. Now, ideally, you'd say, can the phone go off two hours before bed? But the reality is mine goes off 45 minutes before bed and literally off, turned off, kitchen, that's it. Don't need to touch the phone again, which gives me 45 minutes to read, like kind of discharge and dump my day and prepare myself for a peaceful eight hours sleep. Yeah. And that to me is perfect medicine. I totally agree. And it's something that we had to prioritize and it's not easy. I know there'll be people listening that have got young babies, newborns, toddlers. Bonnie came in last night with all their teddies and a balloon and was rubbing it against my head at like 2 a.m. Um, but what Dan and I had to do is be quite creative and focus on what we could change. And if we couldn't exactly change Bonnie's sleep habits at the moment, and obviously that I'm sure there's things that you can do we looked at what we could do maybe in the day, taking a nap, or at one point I was sleeping downstairs on the sofa bed. So, you know, we kind of swapped with who took care of her at night. Um, and that's so important because it isn't, you know, I, I hear from so many women that it's their job. So it's lovely to hear because actually you both get tired, but to give one parent a good night's sleep yeah. and alternate the nights, it is a great way to be inventive, but you both get some quality sleep in the week. And, and just leading on then, like obviously sleep is, is a priority. It's when the body recovers. It's when we rebuild everything. Um, I did a gut test recently, a comprehensive stool analysis, and it wasn't great. There were loads of imbalances. And one of the things I pinpointed was the poor sleep because my digestive system, I think they say between, is it three and six, is when your liver and digestive system re um, yeah, basically recovers and rebuilds. And that just wasn't happening. And I could feel that I was getting up and having digestive issues. I was having bloating and pain and not comfortable at all. But what are some of the underlying things that you're seeing um, with stressed parents? Because people wouldn't necessarily put those together or they wouldn't think about um, that impact. Well, I'm going to be honest and say nearly every chronic disease and nearly anything that anybody walks into my room with, I manage to associate stress to that pathology or to that imbalance. 
Because like I mentioned earlier on, stress very much has become a 21st century disease and a disease that many people are proud of. So, and I'm not saying I haven't had areas of guilt around this, but how many times, and I'm not sure whether you're quite at that stage yet, Bonnie, where parents are out there for the competition, how many clubs their kids can go to. So on a Monday night, they do French, and on a Tuesday night, they do piano, and on a Wednesday night, they do soccer, and on a Thursday night. And almost like this, like the busier my kids' schedules are, the better mum or dad I am. And actually, all that we're doing is inducing mums to be running around all over town, taxi service, inducing more stress, kids eating their dinner in the car, snacks in the car, exhausted by the time to go to bed, haven't had time to read their school book or look in their book bag. And before you know it, we've got very stressed out parents out there. And, and it, do you know what? It's a bit of a playground competition to kind of see which kids gets the most clubs. And maybe I'm not a good parent if my kid doesn't go to all of the clubs. Mm -hmm. So I very much, and that, and that isn't just about parents, it's the same It's the same in the schools with teenagers following social media and being stressed to be the best and look the best. It's people in the workplace where they're fighting for the promotions or people who've got the best cars or have the best holidays. And it's almost like that's what drives our status nowadays. And I listened to an amazing podcast about status. And, and in the olden days, our status came from the village we lived in and our surname. And that's so, we're so far from that now where status is measured on the size of your four by four and where you went for your two week family holiday. So we're all kind of competing for this rat race, for this, the best of the best. And all we're doing is creating a massive stress whirlwind in all of us. Now that alters almost every body system that we own. So stress alters the workings of the immune system. Stress has a massive impact on our reproductive system. Stress alters our microbiome within our gut, which is exactly what you felt was. Stress alters our ability to uh, detoxify. Stress has an impact on our cardiovascular system. Stress alters our blood sugar balance and puts us at greater risk of type two diabetes. Stress has been very highly associated with the pathologies of cancers. Mm. Stress triggers autoimmunity. I don't really need to keep going, do I? Mm. So what we've got to say is when we know or we're telling your listeners that stress is a massive driver of imbalance, we've then got to empower people to say, actually, I don't need that badge of honor. Like, like I don't really want to be in the stressed out club. I've decided I'm going to start a new club and I'm going to invite people into my club. And that club is, I'm not measuring state. I don't care whether you have two weeks in a tent in the back garden, but actually it's the most amazing two weeks in the world than taking your four children to Portugal and spend the whole time stressing about their suntan lotion, stressing about the water, stressing about. And I just think we've got to, we've got to join a new club and we've got to create routines and rituals where it's not fashionable to be stressed. Yeah. And I'm definitely joining that club. Like I'm, I'm already, I'm, I'm cheerleading for it. Me too. And I love the mention of camping because I think you can reset your circadian rhythm in seven days camping, right? I've, I've read that. You're and out there in the elements, aren't you? <laughs> we've bundled Bonnie into a tent a couple of times, right? We're taking you outside. And 
Yeah, and I think also when we talk about stress, it's invisible stress as well. It's physiological, isn't it? That's what was happening for me. I was stressed emotionally, but the impact on the inside, I almost had this fire in the belly that was driving this inflammation. And when I was diagnosed with the postnatal depression, it just didn't feel right. I'm not undermining that because that I know that is a real thing. But for me, it was like you, why? Asking why, why, why? Why am I suffering with these symptoms of anxiety, overwhelm? Overwhelm was the perfect word. I use that a lot because that's just what it felt like. Um, and then doing that test with just peace of mind to see, ah, oh, well, there's quite a few imbalances here. We know about the gut-brain relationship and how that inflammation is probably getting to the brain and maybe affecting my mood and how I feel. So it was just really interesting to kind of, rather than just, okay, I'm going to go to the doctors and get some antidepressants. I wasn't convinced it was a serotonin problem. I thought yeah. it was something else. And that test gave me some real, um, real answers and data and science to work with. So yeah, and that's where that's where you really do as a parent or anybody. You don't need to be a parent. You need to bring somebody else in. And you're right, Annie. Like you, you reached out to me and said, I'm "Not feeling great. I need reassurance. I need, I need something just to help change." And it's saying, you know, maybe medication isn't the answer for everybody, and that's not undermining the people that medication has been essential for. Yeah, absolutely. It's saying you can't, you know, one of my favorite sayings to my clients is you can't not take the medicine and then not take the medicine. And what I mean by that is you can't choose not to take pharmaceuticals and then not do something, not change the diet, not alter the lifestyle, not take the supplements you've been recommended, because then you're not going to feel better. You're not going to re- balance and imbalance mm. by doing nothing mm. and it's saying there's lots of options out there but we do need to reach out to somebody who can support us in those options yeah absolutely I totally agree so what would you say then what would be a few words of advice or a few interventions that parents can bring into their daily lives to help that balance because we're not going to get rid of the stress we can't predict everything but we can restore a little bit of harmony and balance and relaxation and um yeah prioritize our own health to model to our children what would be some of the things you say time and time again in your clinic well first of all don't always think of it as a big thing so isn't it lovely if we got the opportunity to go and spend have a spa day or a spa weekend that would be beautiful but the reality is we can't all do that either because we don't have childcare or the finances. It would be lovely to go and have three hours and go and meet up with a friend for a cup of tea. But again, it's not always an option available to us. So I like to see like micro self-care because micro self-care is something I do feel is achievable. And what I mean by that is taking 10 minutes. Now, you know, with young children, most of the young children will nap. So it's using that 10 minutes to say, okay, what self-care can I do? Or when daddy comes in at night, you say, right, I need 10 minutes to help rebalance. And I like to give my clients ideas to use a bit like a shopping list where I say, you know, think of things that you can do in 10 minutes. And that might be dance around a room, listening to some music that you really helps to fulfill you barefoot walk around the garden and real connect with nature 
do some mindfulness. There's loads of great apps out there that have 10 minutes like, like Headspace or Calm or Buddha. Really focus on some deep breathing. So maybe do a meditation, like a meditation podcast. Give yourself a hand massage or paint your fingernails. Be creative, like get one of those adult coloring in books and just spend 10 minutes just using a different part to your brain or engaging your brain. None of them, Annie, cost a penny. You know, you can even print the, the, the coloring in off free off the internet. So it's not about, because a lot of parents go, oh, we've taken a financial cut because, you know, one of the parents isn't working and we've had to buy loads of stuff for the baby. So I can't afford to spend money on me. And it's sort of that acknowledgement that self-care doesn't have to be long and doesn't have to be expensive, but it needs to be repetitive. So it doesn't need to be the same thing every day. But if you say 10 minutes, it needs to be 10 minutes every single day. Mm. or even 10 minutes twice a day to really get the value of putting that into your body. I like my clients to think of, think of it like a bank account. And every time I do something, I put a credit into the bank account. But every time I get stressed with the children, the toys on the floor, the husband late from work, the burnt dinner, and I'm, you know, I'm going, ah, that's a debit. And actually, if you talk about it like that system, most people are massively overdrawn because they've just overspent. They're screaming at the kids. Generally, as they get a bit older, they're just at the end of their tether. Their adrenal bank account is empty. Yeah. So if we just think of those 10 minutes as a credit in. Actually, we know with our real bank accounts, don't we? If we stop spending for a little bit, the money starts to build up quite nicely. The credits start to build up. And actually what that then does is you go back to the children or go back to the husband or the wife or whatever, and actually you're feeling more in control. You're feeling more like you are able to engage, you're happier, you're enjoying it than just being stretched so thin. Yeah, I think that's such great advice. And um Sometimes when we've just got so much going on, we're the people that need to slow down, isn't it? And slow, mm. slow the pace. And it, it feels quite strange. Like I've taken 10 minutes out to do a bit of meditation here and there at times when I'm really busy and I've got a hundred things to do. And it, it feels odd to do that, but it really does make you more productive in the long term and you enjoy what absolutely. you're doing. Yeah, Absolutely. And what about in terms of food, like skipping meals has been something I've been terrible at, Bonnie not eating well, prioritizing her food. So I kind of just have the leftovers or I'm sat eating my dinner so tense because I don't know where her dinner is going to end up. What would you say about food um, and nutrition wise? Well, especially in those early days, it's really important from a planning point of view. And for many of my mums in the end stage of their pregnancy, I say, try and freeze some, some, you know, do some bulk cooking and freeze it. So that in those very early days with a brand new baby, you've got some good quality ready meals because you put them into the freezer yourself. I then say, generally, in the early days, especially when you're breastfeeding, it's thinking about planning meals, things that are easy to prepare. So vegetable curries, vegetable casseroles that could be cooking in the slow cooker all day long. So maybe you can chop up the vegetables when daddy's at home to hold baby, or he can chop them up, and then it can be in the slow cooker all day long. 
The next thing I think about is, well, what can you do with one hand? Because most mums don't have two hands available to them, do they? Because one hand's got a baby, so what can we do with one hand? Well, we could make some soup and we could drink the soup from a mug. Or we could make a smoothie and we could drink the smoothie. Because at least those sorts of things, it means that we're not going to skip meals. So it's just thinking about, it's about planning, it's about preparation, and it's about saying, what is achievable? No, what isn't achievable is putting a roast dinner on the table every night. But you don't need to put a roast dinner on the table every night. But if you've got something bubbling away in the slow cooker, that is easy to serve up when a time arises that it's the right time to sit down and eat. So I really think that side of it is important. And one of the rituals I always try and do before I start eating, just to kind of calm that stress response, is just to use my eyes to engage with the food that's in front of me. Because actually our eyes are one of our major senses that tells our gut that food is just about to come. And when you're scooping it down your neck and typing an email or scooping it down your neck and not concentrating because you're feeding your your toddler actually what you forgot to do is engage your gut in the preparation of food Mm -hmm. so just spending 30 seconds going wow look at the colors on the plate that's just about to come into my into my mouth and really just trying to go i'm going to take three deep breaths i'm going to engage and then i'm going to eat and what's the worst case scenario Bonnie throws her food on the floor. If you respond to that in a way where you're cool, calm and collected, she isn't going to get much attention from it. However, if you're like, no, she's going to think that's a great game and repeat it meal after meal after meal. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens. But I think you're absolutely right. And it's just, it really is calming that stress response, taking that deep breath um chewing your food if someone told me to chew my food years ago I wouldn't be in this mess it's more sleep and chew your food like I totally agree and really prioritizing the gut and absorption of all those wonderful nutrients that we're putting inside ourselves as well and something you recommended to me which is is amazing really or has been helpful is a soup maker you know, yeah. I wouldn't have thought about that before. I thought, that's lazy. I should just use a slow cooker. But actually, the whole one-handed thing, you're absolutely yeah. right. So it's it, being, it does everything, doesn't it? Blends it. Yeah. It's, you put it in your cup and then you can drink it. Totally. So I think it's really shifting, being flexible with what you need to do to make your life easier, more enjoyable. And yeah, 100%. Oh, thank you so much, Joe. It's been so amazing speaking to you and so informative. And I just wondered if you could leave us with a few for our listeners, parents who are listening, a few words of mum wisdom to share, um, yeah, to share with our audience. Well, I would say my most important one is my own mantra. And it took a while to instill this mantra but it's there now. And that is, I have to be selfish to be selfless. So if I don't self-care, I can't be the mum I want to be, the functional medicine practitioner I want to be, the partner I want to be, all the things that other people need and want from me. I can't deliver if I don't first look after myself. It's that whole concept, isn't it, about putting your own gas mask or your own mask on on an airplane before you help other people. That's really hard for me to learn that. It's taken years, but I absolutely swear by it now. The second thing I would say is, remember, as a parent, you are the role model to your children. So your children can only copy behavior that they watch in you. So if you're 
stressed and screaming and shouting, their response is to be stressed and screaming and shouting. If you sit down at a table and show them, to model to them, to eat around a table, to be calm, you know, basics, you know, we use our manners, they use our manners. We swear, they swear. So it really comes down to that. But I think as children age, it's less about the manners and the, it's, and it's more about the, um, what your children take from you. So, so you said, Annie, like the first thing I'll do is skip a meal, but actually in 10 years time, do you want Bonnie to watch you skip a meal? Absolutely not. Cause that could be the cascade of a diso, you know, a disordered eating pattern in a child. So I very much believe that we, one of the best jobs we can be as a parent is a positive role model in the way that you want your children to behave. You've got to display it. And that does include you display in self-care. It does include you display in eating around a table, you being happy, you laughing and you enjoying life. And they, to me, are the perfect medicine. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. And what great words of advice. Thank you. So where can people find you, Joe? if people want to look you up or work with you? My website is www.embracingnutrition.co.uk. I'm based out in the Midlands, but work all over the country and internationally. So do take a look at my website. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time. Thanks, Annie. So there we go, my first ever podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you enjoyed the show, please let me know. And if you're feeling super inspired, please leave a review. I have a community for mums and mums-to-be on Facebook. It's called the BU Mum Community, which I set up for women on their motherhood journeys to get inspired, informed and empowered to reconnect with their health on a heart, body, mind, spirit level. So please come along and join to continue the conversation, spread the love and share your magic.